Coming up today on the Lead to Succeed podcast. This is especially challenging for leaders because for most leaders, probably for you and, and your audience, you're the most ambitious, high achieving person that you know in your circle. And so people look at you and say, wow, what a leader. I mean, that's the whole point. You're a leader. And they tell you how great you're doing and how amazing all the stuff you're doing is. It's just that they have low standards. And yeah. so you have to impose higher standards on yourself than anybody else around you. You're the one lifting everybody else up, but who's lifting you up to say, Hey, what, like what you did, Naftali was awesome, but dude, like this is small compared to what you could be doing. Do you want to learn the tricks that top leaders use to get the most out of themselves and their teams? Well, Naftali Hoff is here to help lead to succeed. Picks the brains of top leaders to learn about their challenges, insights, and best practices. Here's Naftali. Hello, Lead to Succeed Nation. It's Naftali Hoff, and welcome to Lead to Succeed Episode 57. Today, I have the pleasure of speaking with Evan Carmichael. Evan believes in entrepreneurs. At 19, he built, then sold, a biotech software company. At 22, he was a venture capitalist helping raise $500,000 to $15 million. He now runs the biggest YouTube channel for entrepreneurs with 2 million-plus subscribers, has written four books, and speaks globally. Evan wants to solve the world's biggest problem, and I'm going to have to ask him what that is. He set two world records, uses a trampoline and stand-up desk, owns Canada's largest salsa dance studio, and has a giant Doritos bag in front of him all day long to remind him that he's stronger than the Doritos. And actually, I do see that Doritos bag right over there. He's also the <laughs> author of multiple books, including the recently released Built to Serve. Evan, thanks so much for coming on the show today. Appreciate the love, man. 57 is my new lucky number. Let's go. You got go. it. You got it. One of my famous, favorite football players actually had that number. And in full disclosure, um, we are in the thick of coronavirus, and um, I'm sort of winging it in the moment because I've got everybody home and kind of doing this. Getting Evan on the show is not a simple thing, as you can imagine, somebody as um, accomplished as him. So, Evan, first of all, thank you for being here. Thank you for tolerating my corona craziness at home. I hope we don't have any disruptions, but my kids, even though they are generally getting along pretty well under the circumstances, are prone to an occasional blow up here or there. I so, love it. Um, so thank you. And uh, I want to jump in. The first place I met you, even though you didn't meet me at the time, was I would exercise and listen to these inspirational videos. And you were putting together quite a few. I'm sure you're still doing that. Some really, really great speakers and thinkers and the topic of leadership, posting them on YouTube and elsewhere, I'm sure. So, so talk me through, how did you get into this idea of, in effect, collating and organizing and then presenting to the world these leadership nuggets? And, and what has it meant for you and for your listeners? Kind of take us through that a little bit. Yeah, so I think your purpose comes from your pain. I think whatever you struggled the most with as a human, where you felt the, the lowest and the most worthless as a, as a human, is the thing that you want to help other people through. Uh, and so if that was you five years ago or 10 years ago or 20 years ago, uh, there's lots of people who currently are what you used to be. And that's when we're called to lead. Those are the people we'll love to lead the most. Uh, and so for me, I struggled a lot as an entrepreneur. And I was, I was making 300 bucks a month in, in the startup that I owned, you know, 30% of. And 
felt worthless and I, and I made it harder on myself and that I was too embarrassed to tell my friends that, it, that I wasn't working, that, that 20 bucks to go for pizza and beer uh, was, was too much for me. And I instead told them, I'm hustling, I'm, I'm being the entrepreneur. Meanwhile, like I was just struggling. Mm. And I made it harder on myself. The, so that's why I love helping entrepreneurs so much. Um, the path that got me out, the thing that actually led to my success in entrepreneurship was modeling success. So I had a software company. I was struggling and nothing was working. I felt like I tried everything. And then on my lowest day, I said, somebody's got to figure this out. Like, am I that stupid that I can't figure out how to sell software that's good, that works, that helps people? And the only person I could think of was Bill Gates. I said, well, Bill Gates started Microsoft. How did he do it? And, and it was really not out of a stroke of genius, more out of a just absolute frustration at the end of my rope that I decided I'm just going to look at how Bill Gates started Microsoft. Not how he makes an extra million dollars now, but zero to one. How did he do that? And I learned his story. I emulated his success. I applied it to my business. And then shortly after, got my first deal for $13,500. Wow. <clears throat> Which, you know, may not seem like a ton of money, but I'm making 300 bucks a month. There's no hope. I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm ready to quit and give up. And finally, there's like this lifeline that, that I have that I can start yeah. to build my business off of. And so... What have I done for the past 20 years is model success. It, it, it worked for me. And now because it worked for me, I want to help other entrepreneurs who were like me or who are like who I used to be and teach them how to model success as well. I, I happened to stumble upon it as a last resort, you know, fluke at the end of my rope willing to give up. I want to hopefully not have other people get to that low. And so, you know, I learned this from Bill Gates. Here's what you guys can learn from it as well. And I've had my YouTube channel for 11 years now. And the first video I did was on Walt Disney and what you can learn from his story. And ever since then, I've been sharing my own advice, but also trying to help make it easy for you to understand what all these legends have gone through and their words of wisdom. And hopefully some of it, you know, seeps in and sinks into you so that you can go off and become the leader that you want to be. There was a lot in that answer, Evan. And I think that you know, my takeaways, even before you pivoted to talk back again, which was the original question about YouTube, okay. you talked about the, the pain. Mm -hmm. um, so often, I actually just mentioned this in a conversation with teachers on a webinar. So often in today's days and age with social media and everything else, we're all putting out there the successes or the claimed successes. Everything is so rosy. And then those of us who struggle feel like we have no one to talk to. We feel empty because everybody out there is succeeding and we're not. And so it's really great when someone like yourself kind of lifts the curtain, demystifies, demystifies the process, shares with others that it really wasn't so easy and keeps putting that message out there that every successful person, by and large, there are always exceptions, struggled and had to work and had to learn and got in many cases, your second point, got a mentor, whether a literal mentor that you're talking to or somebody that you could emulate, right? Success leaves clues, as Tony Robbins likes to say. So we have to figure out who's successful, whether in our industry or elsewhere, and then follow their examples. And then you went and you took it and you put it out there for people to absorb. And that's really where I gained so much. So you should know that it's really making an impact. I'm sure you're getting this feedback all the time. But from my personal perspective as well, um, it really taught me a lot about leadership. And I'd like to pivot, if I may, with the second question. I mentioned that we're recording this in the, in the epicenter, if you will, of, I don't mean literally in space, but in just in terms of time of the corona outbreak and all the challenges. And so many people are working from home. So many people are remote. Many people are feeling isolated. 
But since this is a leadership podcast, I'd like to focus specifically on the role of the leader and how do you lead in how do how do you lead remotely? Let's leave alone even difficult times. That's a challenge in and of itself to talk about. Um, and I'm not asking you to give me an entire lengthy response, but just in its essence, what would you say leaders would most be wise to be thinking about as they're trying to lead their teams remotely, especially when it's not the normative culture for them? Empathy. I would expect people to have a hard time. I would expect them not to be delivering like they are delivering in the office. Uh, some people will thrive and some people will have a really difficult time doing it. Some people are like so jazzed in public, that's what I wanted the whole time. And others will be really struggling and suffering through this. And so empathy for the person, empathy for the situation, and, and then belief that they can do it. So for the ones who are struggling with it, uh, cheering them on, telling them that you believe in them, giving them hope. Because if they're a good employee or a good team member, they're not happy with their own lack of performance either. Right? Like even, even in the setup for this, and you've heard uh, Naftali a couple of times uh, talk about, he, he doesn't want his kids to come in and disrupt. Like he's proud of his work, right? He, he has a standard for his podcast that now is forced into suboptimal conditions that he's got to deal with. And that's the same thing happening to the people on your team. They have a standard. Like if they're good, if they're, if they're just jazzed and they can slack off, they shouldn't be on your team. For the people though who have a standard, want to work hard, want to be proud of themselves and now find themselves in a situation where it's really hard for them to do it because their whole routine and environment and panic in the media and everything is throwing them off. They don't need you yelling at them saying, where's my report on X, Y, Z? right? Which is because they're already yelling at themselves. They feel terrible for not delivering to their standard. And so it's empathy, it's belief, it's cheerleading, it's guiding, it's supporting, it's giving them hope, giving them a calm voice because people are looking to different leaders right now and getting mixed messages of what they should be doing. So you're one of the leaders in their life that can give them clarity, that can give them hope, that can give them belief. And in difficult times is when leaders are forged. Yeah. You know, I'm not surprised by this, but I want to just emphasize that your answer really was all about the relational side, you know, the human skill element of leadership, as opposed to maybe the tactical component, because on a tactical level, you're also going to need to pivot. Your goals are going to need to look different. Your venues, your processes, the resources that you're working with, all of those shift and could shift dramatically. Um, And that's important too. But I think what I'm hearing from you minimally is start with the connection, start with the, the relationship, start with the belief, the trust, the, the mindset, and then as needed, work people through their processes, help them to deal with whatever challenges they might be encountering, but from a position of recognition, understanding, and support. Does that make sense? Did I get it right? Yeah. And I think, um, and maybe it's just a, uh, what is leadership? You see, for me, I, I don't think of it a strategy of what our, what our company should be doing, I don't see that as leadership. Uh, I think leadership starts with self-leadership. Like, are you disciplined? Are you, even you, still showing up? It's like, hey, Evan, I can't do this podcast because I'm from home or whatever. Like, no, I'm, I booked this. We're going to make it happen regardless. So your own self-control, making sure you're showing up every day, but then leading. It's a, leadership equals human dynamics. Like leadership, for, at least for me, without human dynamics isn't leadership. It's something else. It, it's strategy, tactical, great, but it's not, it's not actual leadership. So that's where 
Um, great, you have your mission. Maybe you have to pivot. Great, but now you need somebody to actually make the crew go in this new direction. And that's where leadership comes in. Nice. I have a feeling I know the answer to this question, but I said I was going to ask it, and here it is. So what is the world's biggest problem that you want to solve, Evan? People don't believe in themselves enough. I start with the default view that everybody in the world has what I call Michael Jordan level talent at something. Everybody listening to this show, uh, everybody on the streets, like you could be, you are the best at something in the world. You have the potential to be the best at something in the world. It's just probably not what you went to school for, or maybe not what your parents thought you were going to be or what your culture wants you to be. Right. I'm sure if, if, um, you know, Naftali was telling his parents, 20 years ago that he's going to start a podcast <laughs> about leadership. You're going to wait, what, what are you going to do? Right? Like it just doesn't make sense. Your parents, your parents are pilgrims. Like where, what your parents at your age had totally limited options compared to what's available to you right now. The fact that we can even be having this conversation in a Corona shutdown, be in our homes and still be spreading the message to the world did not exist. And so I start from the point of everybody is a genius at something. The person who's going to solve Corona is an entrepreneur who's off solving it, right? Like cancer or whatever other problem you think is the biggest problem in the world, I think is solved by somebody. The, the problem is the person who solves cancer is a manager at McDonald's because she never believed in herself to go off and chase down her dream or try it. Um, so I think everything else is solved by the geniuses. Just most people aren't living up to their potential. That's so let's, let's stay there for a minute, Evan. You don't have okay. to answer yours unless you, of course you want to, but how does a person identify their, their inner genius? And then how, and then how do you want them or how would you suggest that they take action around that? So that's, it ties in super well to my new book. It's called built to serve. And I, I guide people through a three-step process. So it's who, why, and how. Uh, so who is your most important core value? What is your most important core value? So for me, it's belief. If you had to think, Naftali, what's, what's the most important core value for you? Um, most important core value, I would say integrity. Great. So already, just knowing that, you know that he has to deal with people of integrity. That if he was going to hire a new video editor to help him blow up on YouTube, and this person had all these great editing skills, but didn't operate with integrity, it doesn't matter. It's over. And, it, and if you look back to your life at the most painful moments or the darkest moments, um, it was because somebody around you or even you yourself were acting with a lack of integrity. And so that, knowing that about yourself allows you to create a better future going forward, that everybody that you bring on your team needs to have integrity. Every guest that you bring on needs to be seen through the lens of integrity. If, if Evan Carmichael is being invited to your show, it's not only because I've got 300 million views on YouTube, it's because he has a message that with integrity he can share. At least that's the intention, right? Like yeah. maybe you make a wrong call. Maybe Evan Carmichael sucks on your show. Maybe he's a total idiot. But, but knowing that allows you to then attract people into your life who believe the same thing you believe. And that allows you to go so much faster. And it's the same message for leaders. You need to be around the people who have the same core value as you. Uh, it's just clearly identifying what is that most important core value. So that's your who. Great. Next, you get to the why. Your purpose comes from your pain. So for me, it was struggling as an entrepreneur. Uh, for you, if you're creating this thing around leadership, it's got to be a, a point in your time where you felt like you weren't a leader and you didn't step up and you, you didn't believe in yourself. And now you want to go back and talk to 19-year-old you and say, you're a leader, man. Like It's time to own your life and step up. 
that's really who you're making. Like this podcast is really designed for 19 year old Naftali. That, that's Actually, our- that's my yeah, that's my book, which I uh, in which I talk about the leader getting started again, sort of reliving my experience. But go ahead. I, but it's not surprising. Like that, that's yeah. that's everybody's like that's who you'll love helping the most. If you if somebody came to you and wanted to be a leader but didn't believe in themselves and was struggling, and they spend four minutes in a conversation with you, and you light up their eyes and make them believe that holy cow, I actually can, I am a leader, and then they walk away and go make a change in their school, in their whatever, that's going to fill you up to such a high level. It's like, that's my purpose. And that will never get old. You'll be 95 years old, sitting in a senior's home, still loving to create leaders. And, and that, if anything, you'll just be more resolute. You'll just be more confident in your ability and how to do it, right? Even though you may not be able to move your body anymore, as long as you can open your mouth and use your head, you're going to still be inspiring leaders, which is amazing. Like to have that clarity, from now until the end of your life to know like this is what I want to do is so much more clarity than most of America has. That's right. And then to, to do it under the, with the, with the base level of integrity, like you're only going to build leaders through integrity again, gives you a foundation to build on that most people don't have. Um, and then the last le- level is the how, so how you go about executing it, that's going to change with time right now. You're in a podcast in, in 15 years, maybe it's, Virtual reality, Naftali popping into your living room, hologram with his message, right? That, that's going to change with the, with the time. So you're right on trend now, you know, having this podcast and it's going to be something else in the future. But that's what I want people to, to go through. Because um, when you figure that out, it just gives you so much more power, clarity, control than just helping somebody else build their dreams because they have confidence in theirs and you don't have any confidence in yours. So this was really great advice, and everyone should definitely grab a copy of Built to Serve. I wanted, though, Evan, if I could, to let's go back to the metaphor you used before, the, mm-hmm. the manager at McDonald's who could potentially be solving cancer, I think was yeah. the example you gave. Yeah, yeah, so yeah. here we're, we, have, we have a big problem we need to solve, and mm-hmm. as you mentioned, it's probably going to be solved by the private sector and uh, people are with an entrepreneurial spirit and all. But how does somebody who is, for lack of a better term, locked into a particular career or a particular path, what gives them the impetus or maybe what should give, give them the impetus to be thinking differently or bigger about their situation? So like, how, do we, how does somebody say to themselves, well, I haven't yet met my purpose. I feel like I'm inf- influencing others. I'm impacting others, but I'm doing it maybe on a relatively small scale. In my mind, that's sufficient. So are, is there any particular advice, direction you give to people to think bigger, to think different, to really be out there, not only solving the world's problems, but making the best life for themselves? Step one is understand that you're settling for crumbs. You're, you're helping some people. We're built to serve. You're just settling for crumbs. Like buying a cup of coffee for your coworker at the office is an act of service that makes you feel good, but it's not the same as actually having purpose. So we settle for crumbs of life instead of actually living the full life. Um, The way out of it is recognize like, what if you're still in the same spot in 10 years? Imagine yourself at this company doing the same thing you're doing for 10 years. We don't make it painful enough because change is pain. And it's, it's easier to just stay where you are because it's good. Like it's still the good is the enemy of great. Where you're at is good. It doesn't totally suck. It's good. 
And why so would I want to change it? Right, exactly. And change. You don't notice it enough on a day-to-day basis. From today to the next day to the next day is not painful enough to make you want to change because it's still good. But if you spread out the horizon to 10 years, if in 10 years you're in the same spot, you know you're capable of more. You know you have the potential to, to do a lot more, to serve a lot more, to be a better husband, to be a better father, uh, wife, mother, entrepreneur, impact, servant, right? You, you can do a lot more and you're in the same spot in 10 years. That should be painful. Yeah. So I want to stay there for a minute because you've done this a few times. And I think it's great how okay. you've kind of brought me back to my 19-year-old self and I'm thinking 10 years out. And right, yeah. It really is useful to think of your life in blocks of time because when you do that, you start to say, well, okay, incrementally, I can do this, that, or the other. I can live this life for however much longer, but do I want to still be living in the same house? Do I want to still be working for the same company? Do I want to still have the same title or you know, whatever that is? And if you think out further down the road, that could already be an impetus for change that many people won't be driven by in the moment. Mm -hmm. So let's say you're someone like me, you're in your, you're middle aged, you're in your upper forties. You've already been at it for a while and life hasn't been bad. You've done a great job in various ways. You could have done better in other ways, but you think like you're leaving stuff on the table, but you're worried that you're running out of time. So what advice would you give for somebody who's not having this conversation when they're 19 or 25, who had a great mentor, kind of brought them in a Jim Rohn kind of thing where, Mm -hmm. uh, you know, his mentorship happened early on and then he was off to the races for the rest of his life, maybe a Tony Robbins kind of person, maybe even you. But for somebody who's like regular, so to speak, like myself, Mm -hmm. who's, who's doing good work, but wants to do better and doesn't have a lot of time, how do you accelerate their process? Uh, You are running out of time. Yeah right? Like you're worried. Good. You should be worried about it. We're all running out of time. You are. I am am in particular. I know it. Yeah. You're, you're, but so like own it, like you're, you're going to be, you're upper 40, you're going to be upper 50 soon. That's right. Thanks for rubbing it in. Yeah. No, but like now do something (laughs) about it. Right now. Like this is a conversation to myself, right? I, I mean, I'm, I'm turning 40 in May. Um, I'm going to be, and and I treat it like I'm going to be turning 50 in June. Like it's, it's happening faster. And you feel it as you get older, time just flies by faster. So I love the, uh, the fact that you can use that as pressure to say, I'm going to be, I'm going to be upper 50 soon. Tomorrow I'm going to blink and I'm going to be upper 50. What did I do with the last 10 years? I don't look at it as backwards. Like, ah, oh, I'm upper forties and I wasted my forties. That's not helpful. But ongoing for, for the next 10 years, you can use that to say, I don't want to regret the next 10 years of my life. I've learned a lot as a leader. And this is, this is especially challenging for leaders because for most leaders, probably for you and, and your audience, you're the most ambitious, high achieving person that you know in your circle. And so people look at you and say, wow, what a leader. I mean, that's the whole point. You're a leader. And they tell you how great you're doing and how amazing all the stuff you're doing is. It's just that they have low standards. And yeah. so you have to impose higher standards on yourself than anybody else around you. You're the one lifting everybody else up, but who's lifting you up to say, hey, what, like what you did, Naftali, was awesome, but dude, like this is small compared to what you could be doing. Right. Who's, who's from a place of love pushing you forward, not from a place of you suck, you're never going to make anything. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So that's partly why I do my channel in that I want to, no matter how big I think I'm doing, and thinking, I then watch a video about Elon Musk who wants to have a backup plan for the planet. It's like, man, I'm thinking small. <laughs> so, so I want to be around, the way I'm solving that problem is I want to be around Steve Jobs and Elon Musk and Oprah and every day they're in my ear a little bit, forcing me to become 
a better leader because everybody around me says I'm doing amazing. Yeah. And I know that I could be doing more. And the idea of getting a mentor, joining a mastermind, there are a lot of different ways that we can be connecting with people who are a few steps ahead of us and continually forcing us to move ourselves forward. That is a great point because I think that we oftentimes, we, uh, I'm forgetting the metaphor right now, but we believe our own press. You know, when I started in school leadership and everyone was talking about the, the skills that I brought to the table, how wonderful it was, and I kind of sucked that up and just enjoyed it and didn't realize what I needed to do necessarily to take it to the next level. And now that I work in coaching and working in executive coaching in particular and working with leaders and helping them see the next steps, oftentimes it's not that they're doing anything wrong, but they're believing their own press or they're, under, they're not seeing beyond the potential that they presently have in front of them. So yeah, we, we always need to be looking forward. And I think that that's a, a wonderful thing. Um, now, was there one person in particular that kind of motivated you um, or inspired you? And, and what was their message to you? My greatest mentors are my parents. And fortunately, they're still alive. Uh, for the video people, you could, behind me is a picture of me when I'm eight or nine years old and my parents kind of standing above me. I see I've got it. five giant canvases in my office and that's, that's um, one of them, that's the middle one. And they would always tell me, you're Evan Castrilli Carmack, you can do anything that you believe that you can. And that's the constant kind of voice in my head when I doubt myself, when, I'm, when I want to do something bigger, I hear them saying that. Um, they didn't teach me about business. They're not entrepreneurs. They don't, you know, they, they said, I asked them early when I was in my you know, youth, say, hey, how do, what job should I get? Like, how do I make money? What should I do? It's like, go be a banker. So I became interested in banking. So entrepreneur advice is not where I go to. That's where I get everything else from, the Steve Jobs uh -huh. and all the other people that I profile. But kind of how to be a human, uh, they're my greatest mentors. Wonderful. Yeah, it's so important to have that. And if you could have it from your family, that's the best. Um, so that's, that's really very special. Um, so here's a, a different question for you. I th you might have already answered it, but I want to hear it more clearly if I can. Okay. What would you say in terms of advice? You could choose best or worst, or if you want to choose both, you can. What was the best or worst, adv worst advice you've ever received? I struggle with this because I don't look backwards very often. Um, I think the worst advice is probably when I was, I made my first video that I made around believe. So when I found my one word, believe, uh -huh. I wanted to make a video on my YouTube channel about it. And I was, it was going to be a departure for what I wasn't usually making. And I sent it to somebody who was in the industry. I made this six and a half minute video and he was in the entertainment industry and he watched it and he said, this, this video is not going to do well. You can't post it like this. Evan, you don't understand how the internet works. Uh, all this stuff. And, and a younger, less confident version of me might've said, well, he's in the industry, he's an expert, so he knows and I shouldn't post it. But uh, fortunately I said, you know what? I like it. So I'm just going to post it. And if nobody likes it, well, nobody likes it, whatever. Yeah. And it, it quickly became my best video on the channel at that time. And now it's over 2 million views or something. Wow. Um, but even if it didn't work out, maybe he was right. The willingness to listen to my gut as opposed to uh, typically the worst advice that you get is usually not uh, with a bad intention. Most people who are giving you advice don't want to see you lose, right? There are some people, but for, most, for the most part, they're not, they don't want to see you lose. The miss is they're telling you what they would do as opposed to understanding what you would do, which comes back to leadership. When you're giving advice to people, it's not what you would do in their shoes. 
It's, yeah. it's wearing their skin to understand what they're going through and then giving them the answer for them, even if it's not what you would do. Right. So that was the biggest miss. And, and I think the best advice, anything the there? best is still probably like my parents multiple times, just, just always reminding me to believe in myself and that I'm Evan Castrilli Carmichael. And it's still, it's still that voice, still that filter that I keep coming back to at my core. And don't be a banker. Yeah, I wanted, like, you look at my high school yearbook, it says banker. Where are you going to be in 10 years? VP at a bank. That's what I said I wanted to do. Yeah, I think I'm going to look back at this conversation um, when, when life normalizes. I'm hopeful that it will um, and do it soon and uh, kind of th- reflect back on how entrepreneurs did help fix a situation that got messed up real fast. And I don't want to make this a political conversation, so I'm not going to get into that at all. Um, but definitely the power of entrepreneurship is critical. The power of leadership is critical. And you've left us so, with so much already, Evan. I'd like if I can at this point, we all need a little bit of a lighter touch to okay. conversation. I'd like to pivot to our rapid fire. Let's These are go. short answers. And tell us, please, your favorite hobby. Salsa dancing. Okay. I know almost nothing about it. How'd you get into that? Uh, I had a relationship breakup and I really liked ballroom dancing at the time but we couldn't do it together because she didn't like it uh and then once we broke up i said i'm gonna go dancing again why not have fun and i just randomly did salsa dancing and now i own the largest salsa dance school in maybe north america nice something neat about toronto that most folks don't know about (sighs) really nice welcoming people do most people know that everybody i I mean Toronto is, is everybody's an immigrant. Everybody's from somewhere. They're very, I mean, I was born in Toronto, but my mom was born in Italy and my father's mother was born in England. So you're all from different places. So you're just, when you go to school, you're with every, it's just normal. It's a level of acceptance. Yeah. Yeah. You just like diversity training sounds weird because you're just automatically with whatever culture you come from, you'll come to Toronto and you'll be immediately welcomed like you were here. Beautiful. Yeah. A great high energy, low fat snack food. High energy, low fat. I'm on keto, so I'm flipping. I go like high fat. High energy, low fat. Um, not Doritos. Yeah, that's not low fat for sure. <laughs> I, uh, I, I'm thinking blueberries. Blueberries. Yeah? Okay. Yeah. I got a bag of almonds on my desk. You know, something to keep you going. Wait, hold on. To- but that's not low. Almonds are not low fat. Oh, you're probably right. Yeah, almonds are definitely high fat. They're, they're high they're fat. They're high protein. Friendly. Yeah. Okay. I gotta. I gotta. I gotta reach, reset my question. So we'll go with the blueberries. <laughs> Fair enough. And finally, what kind of books do you read, or what example of a book you read for pleasure rather than for business? Almost nothing. Like I read three to four books a year. I am not a reader. Um, I'm a learner, and so I learn best through visual. So videos. That's how I learn the most. Like right now, I'm reading. Um, Russell Brunson's new book because he sent it. He sent me the advanced copy, and he's a friend. So I'm I'm slowly working my way through that. So most of the books I read for pleasure, nothing like non-fiction zero. It's always non-fiction, and I'm going to learn something from it. But it's still I'm slow. It takes me a long time to process. I listen to zero podcasts because auditory is the worst. Like the fact that I can see you even though you're in your home makes uh-huh. it so much easier for me because otherwise I'd have to like really close my eyes and focus if all I could do is hear you. Got it. So I think it's, it's about learning. I love learning. I'm visual. So that's where I'm going to get most of my learning. Yeah. And I think everybody does need to know how they learn best and what stimulates them the most. The main mm-hmm. thing is keep learning and keep yeah, learning and- the things that are going to move your needle forward. Even if it means just sort of better understanding you and your own personal development, 
separate from the tactical things you need to learn, but yeah. be a learner constantly. And, 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 for the, and for the people in your team, know how they learn yeah. and try to customize it to them. Not just how you like teaching, but how they yeah. like learning. Do you have another hour? Because I'd love to unpack that. <laughs> a great conversation. Okay, Evan, you've given me a lot already, given us a lot, and uh, would be remiss if I didn't give you an opportunity to talk about not only your book, but also where people can find you for those who don't already know you and how they can connect with you further. So the book is called Built to Serve. The idea is that you're built to serve. If you're not happy, it's because you're not serving. Some of us want to serve the world and we have a big mission. Probably people listening to, to this show want to have a big mission, but not everybody does. Uh, some people just want to serve the 25 closest people to them and just kind of small family oriented. But if you're not happy, it's because you're not serving. So that's a starting point. So how do you serve? We kind of went through the process here yes. super quick yes, on the podcast. Did. Your who, most important core value, your why, your purpose comes from your pain. The how, how you got through it is a recipe that you can teach other people. And then the last part I talk about how to turn it into a business. So for the, for the entrepreneur minded in your audience, that's going to be super helpful and interesting. For the corporate leadership people, uh, the more interesting part is you go through it yourself, but then you can... A lot of people give it to their team to say, hey, you go through this. And if you know, like if I knew that Naftali's most important core value was integrity, I already know how to be a better leader to him. If he even sniffs out something that seems that's not integrity, he might not even tell me about it, but, I, but knowing that about him, I know how to lead him better. And yeah, so if you did that powerful. for the people on your team, you know what their most important core value is, it just makes you a better leader. So people often give it to their team members to then say, Hey, go through these exercises and let's talk about it. Yeah. Which helps you as a scale as a, as a leader. Um, we are going to link up the book and we are going to be linking up your social media accounts as well in the show notes. So any, any other way uh, folks could reach out to you? Um, Social is probably the best. I mean, if you want the book, you can just get on Amazon. If you want a signed book, you can get it through my website. Nice. Uh, otherwise social media, YouTube, Instagram, LinkedIn. I'm on all the places. Look for Evan Carmichael. You'll find me. Tell them, okay. tell them Naftali sent you. Yeah, you got it. One final life lesson, Evan, before we wrap up. Um, I would say do something today to give. And, and here's an easy one. Think about Naftali. Think about this show. He's, he's done 57 episodes. That's not an easy feat. To, to book the guests, to keep going even from home and coronavirus and all of this work to build a show takes a, a Herculean love and effort and so an easy way to serve to make yourself feel good and to give back is to what's the best way go to itunes like what's the number one ask you would have for people like leave a review yeah leave a review check out my book absolutely go, go leave a review it's so hard to build up an audience and to create a new show from scratch if you're if you learn anything in this episode or you hated this one but you've learned from the, from the past 56 <laughs> <laughs> Naftali's putting in lots of love. Go show some love back. Like it, there you go. it doesn't take a lot of time, but it's super meaningful and really helpful. So I hope you'll consider doing that. Awesome. Well, Evan, this has been a fantastic conversation. And I know when we scheduled it, things were a little bit calmer. Um, but I'm really glad that you showed up. I'm glad that I showed up. I learned a ton from our conversation. And I want to remind my listeners to take every day and every opportunity to lead to succeed. And uh, stay with us because we're going to continue to deliver value moving forward. Thanks again, Evan, and have an awesome day. Appreciate it, man. Thanks for the love. Thanks so much for listening to this episode and for investing in yourself so that you can lead to succeed. 
Before you go, don't forget, social media junkies, please share this recording with your networks and tag me as well. I'm on Facebook and Instagram at Naftali Hoff and on Twitter at Impactful Coach. 